1: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Hey, yo. For over 30 years, and still, and still, your inside look into boxing and mixed martial arts. You know
2: what? As long as she fights at
1: 135 pounds, I don't care if she's injecting a horse demon into her eyeballs. Heard Live around the world, and brought to you by the World Boxing Organization. And now, and now, live from the Ring Talk Studios in San Francisco, here's the host of the longest running fight show in history, Pedro Fernandez.
3: Like in the way you groove, Domacy Caballeros, bienvenidos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, yes sir. My name is Pedro Fernandez, the often imitated but never duplicated, undisputed heavyweight champion of the Radio Race, having defended that title off for better than 34 years. And straight up, today, we'll hear from the greats, that's right, Ali's in the house, challenging seven foot one inch. i I'm talking about NBA star, Wilt Chamberlain, Wilt Chamberlain and Muhammad Ali, the fight was signed, it didn't happen, we'll hear about that in depth from Ali and Chamberlain, as well as Howard Cosell, and, 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 wait, I'm not done, Ali and Frazier hook it up in an in-studio scuffle we'll talk about that in depth after we hear that of course that's hour number one hour number two we're rocking and rolling the world of mixed martial arts the heavyweight championship of the world of ufc style change hands of course daniel Cormier pulling off the upset of the century in my mind knocking out stipan milchuk a wrestler knocking out a boxer a wrestler knocking out a golden gloves champion man it just went that way in the first round of course MMA Hot and Happening. We'll talk about that in depth today on today's show. Straight up, lots of things to talk about. Open phone lines all around this planet, baby. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's one 800 878 I invite you to join us. This is your show, no doubt about it. And remember, if you're listening to this show anywhere in the world, you can be doing a thousand things, but you're listening to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, so we thank you so much. Once again, the open phone lines, 1 800 878 play. That's 1 800 878 7529. And the guilt free, no commitment, no hassle text line, 415 275 1613. The no hassle text line, 415 275 1613. You're tuned to the mighty Sports By Live Broadcast Network.
7: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free, confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Oh.
1: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: You're listening to new theme music, baby. I want the cut man to put this together, put it on the head of the show. The new Tower of Power on the soul side of town. The brand new LP, baby. 50 years of Tower of Power. Can you believe it? 50 years. Amelia Castillo and The Bang. I'm going to say, they are the godfathers of soul from the East Bay. Check them out, towerofpower.com. The album did well on the charts as it debuted on, I think, the jazz charts near the top of it. So, more power to Tower of Power. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking at the world of boxing. This hour. As I said, we'll delve into the world of Muhammad Ali in depth. Why? Because a lot of people, especially this current generation, they don't know much about Muhammad Ali. They don't know. I mean, when I mention Cassius Clay to young people, they have no idea who I'm talking about. Of course, that was the, the name that he was born under. I'm talking about Muhammad Ali back in 1942. I think February of 1942 in Louisville, Kentucky, of course. The heavyweight champion of the world, not once, not twice, but thrice. Of course, the third time, defeating Leon Spinks and uh, a novice at that. Of course, he had lost to Spinks uh, the prior year. And, of course, the retirement of Muhammad Ali, not pretty. Of course, losing the fight to Larry Holmes, October second, 1980. Stopped for the only time in his career from 1960 to 1981. He retired one year later. But he got stopped by Larry Holmes in 10 rounds. That's when uh, Angelo Dundee would not let him come out for the 11th round. I didn't want him to come out for the 10th round. I mean, that was his... That was just really a bad, bad fight for Ali. Ali was 38 years old. He was on something called Thyrolar. This doctor, this crazy doctor they had, they put him on this, this thyroid drug, which took weight off him, which made him look good cosmetically, but it didn't make him look good, it didn't make him perform well. In other words, he couldn't perform physically. Anyway, Dr. Williams was his name. Of course, Ted Koppel took him, uh, took him apart on that uh, that late-night show as far as ABC was concerned. That was sort of cool back in the when we had that. We You know, right? You dealt with stuff right then and there. Not Jimmy Kimmel and that kind of good stuff. Too much comedy at night. We need to go back to Ted Koppel, I think, in Nightline. Anyway, the bottom line is we'll delve into the world of Ali and Wilt Chamberlain. Of course, Will Chamberlain, possibly, well, pound for pound, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, no doubt about it. Seven-foot-one center, originally with the Philadelphia Warriors. And then he went to the L.A. Lakers. Of course, he he got gold with the Lakers, and he became a an icon. Of course, he's passed away. Said he went to bed with over ten thousand women. I've I've have done I've not I'm not into four figures. Okay, but what I'm trying to say is ten thousand women is a lot of women. Even you got like two or three chicks in each town every time you go to a town. It's it's a lot of women, so I think Wilt was a bit exaggerating there. Anyway, Wilt was going to fight Ali. We'll talk about that in depth. And 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 Ali and Frazier, of course, their in studio scuffle. What led to that? Muhammad Ali afterwards, of course, talking about Joe Frazier to the extent where Joe uh, became how can I put this? He and Joe were bitter enemies for a long, long time, and it's pretty evident as the uh, they they go back and forth here. No doubt about that. So we'll get into Ali, Frazier, and Ali and Ch- and Ali and Chamberlain. In a little bit, bit. let's talk about some of the fights upcoming in the next few weeks. August the fourth looks like Fox Sports going to get down with a pretty good welterweight contest, folks. Former 147 pound title holders—I don't say world champions, I say title holders. Andre Berto, 31 and five, 24 kills. Of course, his apple cart was upset when he took on basically unheralded uh, Robert the Ghost Guerrero. Guerrero was moving up in weight. I mean, he didn't have much punch. He wasn't a great boxer. And Guerrero went out there and spanked him in the first round. Hit him right hard on the chin. Bertha wasn't expecting it, and he got drilled. I mean, he ended up losing the fight. And, of course, his his, uh, his fight with Floyd Mayweather, the big money fight, it happened for Robert the Ghost Guerrero. It made him a millionaire. More power to Robert. Robert stepped up that night. That was Robert's night, no doubt about it. Anyway, Berto, 31-5, 24 KOs. Taking on Devon Alexander, 27-4 and with a draw and 14 whacks. Pretty good showdown, no doubt about it. It cost... Uh, August the 4th, it's going to rock, no doubt about it, on Fox and Fox Sports as well. And Fox Deportes will so be in Spanish as well. A couple other fights on the card. We'll get to that in a bit. But the bottom line is, boxing coming back to Fox Sports, I think that's where Al Heyman needs to really cultivate his following if he wants to. I don't think he's going to do it just with Showtime and HBO enough. I think he needs to go to the masses. And the way you go to the masses, and it's, you know, Bob Arum's going to the masses. Bob's Master, master Bob, you know, Master Bob on the plantation down there, the top-ranked plantation in Vegas. But Give him give him the Hall of Famer credit. He realized what Heyman was doing. He realized the winnings, you know, the, the way to beat Heyman was to come back with some free TV as well. And, you know, and he's doing this things, uh, his things on ESPN almost weekly. Of course, ESPN next week is going to feature Manny Pacquiao, the 12th. Of course, Manny Pacquiao and Lucas Matizzi coming to you from uh, Kuala Lampur. And those people in Kuala Lampur, they must have went broke paying for this fight. I mean, because I don't see the, the revenues anywhere except because uh, it's going to be on ESPN. So I don't see any pay-per-view revenues or anything like that. So I don't know where they're getting all this kind of money. More power to them. But Bob Arum's doing this. And Arum, of course, is a promotional genius, like him or not. The Harvard graduate, of course, top of his class, I believe, 1958 or 1957 from Harvard University, rated the top of his law school class. He was the guy, no doubt about it. Of course. Former US attorney, a young kid taken to the just, into the Justice Department by President Kennedy and his brother Bobby Kennedy, the then attorney general. Bob Aaron served as the United States attorney, and that's of course how he got bit by the boxing bugs because he went to a pay per view. He was he was an accountant in to an extent. So he went to this pay per view, I think of uh not a pay per view, it was that era's version of pay per view. In other words, today it's pay per view at home. But back in those days, in the sixties, it was pay per view at, at at theaters and ballparks. You went and watched fights on big screens and that kind of good stuff. Okay, so the close close circuit version of uh, uh, Floyd Patterson and Sonny Liston. I think it was the second fight. Of course, Liston got Liston knocked P- Floyd out again in the second fight, as he did in the first fight. And but he drew incredible numbers, and the the close circuit numbers just blew. the absolutely blew. Of Bob Arum's mind, of course, Arum would form a relationship with Muhammad Ali. After he changed his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, he stayed with Ali. It was Ali and Aram. I mean, Aram stayed with Ali by his side. And of course, who did who did uh, Don, who did uh, Muhammad Ali come back with? Of course, they came back with a huge whole bunch of different promoters. Aram was one of them. Of course, Don King was one as well. And Of course, there was syndications that put together big fights. The mega fight, March eighth, nineteen seventy one, in the Garden. Of course, the greatest fight of all time. Talk about boxing matches. This is it, baby. Talking about Ali, Frazier won March 8th, 1971. The epic of all fights. That's the fight that you can uh, sort of judge the others by as far as worldwide attention is concerned. I mean, the entire world stopped and took hold that Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, two undefeated heavyweight champions, were going at it for the undisputed world heavyweight championship. Only on closed-circuit television, That's right? You had to go to a theater. You had to go to a gym. you 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 couldn't watch it at home. I mean, people laugh about that now because they, they take pay-per-view for granted. Pay-per-view's been around like, since 1990, 1991. It's been heavily involved in in uh, combat sports for sure, but uh, I'm telling you, 1990, 1991, I remember when, when HBO landed at, TV KO. That's what they called their, their little boxing thing once a month. TV KO was a pay-per-view event. It was 1995. Some of the fights weren't considered to be all that good. But then, you know, James Tony jumped on the scene. He knocked out Michael Nunn. That was a big stunner. Man, that was a big stunner. I mean, that was on on that TV KO. But it went along for about a year, year and a half. And, of course, they, they changed the uh, the mode, the presentation as far as pay-per-view is concerned. They went from 20 bucks to 50 bucks to 70 bucks. Of course, whatever they are right now. A lot of these pay-per-views aren't worth it. And you know what? You're not seeing too many pay-per-views. Why? Hmm, interesting. I think Heyman's changed the landscape. I think the Arams went back to ESPN. Of course, Aram with ESPN in the 80s, top-ranked boxing, those Tuesday night fights, I think they were Tuesday night fights, but they just rocked and rolled from all over the place. I mean, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Aaron would take that top-ranked act anywhere, and, and it worked for him. Guys like Freddie Roach and Tommy Cordova. I mean, Freddie Roach, of course, the trainer now, and Manny Pacquiao. Those guys, they, they they did some... They would just stand there like... And engage each other. Just step on each other's feet and just punch. I mean, Tommy Cordova and, and Freddie Roach, those type of fights were like what ESPN was all about. And people really got into the blood and gore of that kind of good stuff. And, of course, that's probably why Freddie Roach is in the condition he's in today. He's got some Parkinson's. But you don't take too many punches. Freddie took a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of punches. You are tuned to the Mighty Sports Byline Broadcast Network. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. My name is Pedro Fernandez. Of course, the Sunday edition. Ring Talk Live Worldwide, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Two hours, you're listening to Ring Talk, live from the city by the bay, on Sports Byline, I Radio, SB Nation Radio, of course, all kinds of different networks, but the bottom line is you're here, and I thank you so much. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll hear some Ali, Ali and Will Chamberlain, the fight that was signed but never happened. You're tuned to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network.
7: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free, confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063.
10: If what you're looking for is real love,
5: then what you see is what you get.
3: Now, more of Ring Time. With Pedro Fernandez.
5: Don't act like you're not impressed.
3: It's what you get. In 1967, NBA legend Wilt Chamberlain, the only man to score 100 points in a game, contracted to challenge Muhammad Ali to fight for the undisputed world heavyweight championship. It would take place in Madison Square Garden. What happened?
11: Six three and a half. Muhammad Ali, the heavyweight champion of the world, at seven feet one inch. Wilt the still Chamberlain, and what you have just seen was. The decisive edge and reach that Wilt would have if these two men do in reality fight. Gentlemen, may I join you for just a minute? I'd like to bring your trainer, Angelo Dundee, in here with your handler, Drew Bodini. Fellas, would you come on in? I'd like you... The
10: reach don't mean nothing if you can't find nothing I hear. should like if Angie don't mean to nothing. measure it, now Angelo's reach is long enough. But
11: let the viewers see for themselves see. what the reach on, would be. Back care. to back, to gentlemen. Just get the, the pen. Or you want to measure Wilt well first? Yeah, first. Right. first.
10: Oh, Sign right. the contract. Yeah. Just yeah. get
11: the contract. Yeah. All he this said. Said. Get, he the got the pen out. Basketball players, Got the pen.
10: Yeah. Right,
11: What is the reach,
10: Angie? He's the agitator. if he wants to agitate you into a fight, I'll get you. Seven feet? That's right, ninety-one, ninety-two inches. All right, now
11: measure the champ, will you?
10: didn't measure you. Would you just back you off and let them in come trouble. Trouble. into camera? You don't want to get this man in trouble.
11: May we have your reach, please? Reach
10: please. don't mean nothing. Terrell had a reach, too. Terrell had a bad jab when the fight started. You couldn't find it. Hurry up This has been living to me, a world champion foot foot. and a basketball player. He's 78
11: inches and a half. And so the edge is about a foot. That's reach don't about mean a foot. foot. Gentlemen, thank foot. you very thank much. Gentlemen, would you join me here? Right in now mid-camera position, if you will. Well, let me have your right hand. Your right Let's, hand. Your right hand. Let's hold it up to this camera. Now your right hand. Man, this
10: don't mean nothing. David fluke Luke aloud. Well, why'd you throw you're your slingshot on slingshot slingshot, him? Slingshot, right? sure. I have something unseen power to whip you. You will admit oh, that his oh, hands see.
11: are bigger even than Sonny Liston's
10: was. That and, don't mean nothing. This man don't have a chance against me. Say it say it again say <laughs> man it again. you know it better not do one more time now. well i'll tell you what People are writing me mail from all over the country and the world. They believe you can But I want it. you to do some writing. And Bill Russell promises writing. Bill Russell and a few more players are going to be my spawn partners to get rid of you. And, and, and,
5: and they I'll are... give, you a, give you a couple of my own. I got a few of my own, I'll give you. What
10: well, you reach out to? I, I, I got to see it. what you can Go There, it's right that there. Don't don't mean nothing. Very uh, right easy. Don't mean nothing. Until you get that pen, though. See, you know. Seriously. Pen. Well,
11: this match may very well come to pass. This is not I real. So. In the last analysis. So. It's nice to kid about it, but it's no laughing matter. Now, how could you match his foot speed?
10: His foot speed? Well, that's easy. Well, I don't, he don't know. Uh, he'll do not know 2 steps and he'll be huh? crossing out he two steps and he'll be around. Did right. he ever knock him out with his feet? <laughs> huh? did, right. <laughs> huh? huh?
2: did you see him knock one out with his feet? No.
10: King, kangaroos use it. No, piece. I said right. Ali yeah. huh? that Ali uh? shuffle. That uh? Ali shuffle will make you. Show me Ali shuffle right now. That's me for a shoe shine. That's good for a shoe shine. That's nice that's what you're watching. That's nice to that's what you watching. Nice. watch I used to shine shoes myself. I tell you what. <laughs> let's do it all the talking. I have a place. I have somewhere to go, Howard. And let's get the contract signed as soon as I take care of. You of hear the him moment, moment, now? He said, "Get the contract signed." We'll get the I contract. Now he's contract talking. He's talking. Right. My manager Herbert Muhammad has. I think he's Please was okay talk to fight. him. Please talk okay to him. Fight. I want you to talk to him. And after you, I want all the basketball players out there, football players. They want me beat so bad. They want to get everybody. I'll go to Mars. I don't care. I don't care if it was ten years tall. I would be. You're right. I think Hoover said, the boy named Tom Hoover said, so you might be going tomorrow sooner than you think. <laughs> you, Tom Hoover, all of you. Me and Bill Russell are getting ready to be. Gentlemen, you. I must And break cut it. that beard off because I'm not fighting billy goats.
5: I, <laughs> I want to give you a target. <laughs> I want to give you a target. <laughs> I want to definitely give you a target. No, I don't want no
10: cushioning. <laughs> I don't want you to miss I don't want you to miss Well, them.
11: thank you for coming by. But if I'll, you I'll, do I'll, fight him, and I have good one luck. thing to say. I In the meantime, good luck for the title. I have one thing to say here
10: on TV. I want the doctors to check you. I don't want your age checked. I want your stomach checked. I want your arm checked. I don't want no back trouble or no eye trouble. <laughs> Who's going to check you, though, I want to know? I don't need checking. You don't need checking. You just be ready. Oh, you need to well, check. A, right? I'll thank see, you for it. Let, let me go. You just get ready. <laughs> <laughs> and so the scene is the
11: heavyweight champion of the world leaves the stage. is set. Get him ready, he says. Just get him ready. And the fight may come to pass. If so, it will be an extraordinary hey! event, I'm sure.
3: 1967. What can I say? This fight was supposed to happen, of course, in 67. Then again in 1971. Let me tell you a little about Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt was an incredible guy. The best basketball player of his era, no doubt about it. Probably the best all around athlete to ever go against or possibly against the best heavyweight of all time. They were supposed to fight each other in 1967, but that didn't happen. Then it was rescheduled for July of 1971, but Ali lost to Frazier in March of 1971. Therefore, a chamberlain declined as he said he wanted to beat Ali for the World Heavyweight Championship, which didn't make sense because Ali had lost the title in 1967. Anyway, the bottom line was Wilt was looking for a payday. Well, Wilt was no joke. Let me tell you about Wilt. He could bench press 500 pounds. He could run the 100-yard dash. He was seven two. He could run the 100 yard dash, get to 290, 300 pounds. He run the 100 yard dash in 10.9 seconds. Man, ah, that's flying. That is flying. I mean, think about that. Holy cow! Seven foot two, moving that fast. He weighed about 290 300 pounds. I saw him a couple of times here in the Bay Area uh, when he was lounging, doing his, you know, his social scene. This and that. cool dude to be around, man. No doubt about it. But he was a rock. But I never believed. I never ever believed. That he had went um, <laughs> as far as with ten thousand women was concerned. I just never that, that was one I didn't believe. But Ali and him, the fight was signed. Uh, George, uh, the, the fight was signed in '67, and Wilt Chamberlain declined. He didn't want to do it at that point. And then because it was supposed to be at the Houston Astrodome originally, and that's where they were doing this contract signing and this and that. And Ali and, and Angela Dundee told Ali, please, please don't mess with Wilt. Don't get inside Wilt's head. Just leave Wilt alone. So Ali went there and did the opposite and taunted Wilt into not wanting to finally go through with the contract that was already signed. Okay. He had signed the agreement to fight Muhammad Ali. Didn't work out. Bottom line was that would have been one hell of a freak show. Muhammad Ali versus Wilt Chamberlain, seven foot one like reach don't count. That's right. Reach and power, reach and power. It doesn't count. Okay, it just doesn't. I mean, because you know, if you can't if you hit hard and you can't hit me, so what's good is it? If you're if you're a good boxer and you're tall and you got a long reach and you still don't hit me, what good is it? If you can't use it to your advantage, what can I say? And I don't think that Wilt Chamberlain would have been able to use that to his advantage. I think he was too slow a foot. I think Ali would have danced around him, jumped in, hit him with shots here and there, boom, 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 and would have chopped that tree down probably about four or five rounds. But, you know, you got to give Wilt some credit because Wilt wanted that money and Wilt was willing to step in there with the heavyweight champion world until Ali taunted him into not wanting to do so. Straight up, the weekend of boxing. Uh, not all that. Uh, of course, there was a fight, supposed to be for the WBC, super lightweight title. It was going to take place on Saturday night on ESPN. That was an Aram show. But the uh, challenger did not make weight. so Therefore, that fight was canceled. Sort of it was a lackluster weekend in the world of boxing. Was Of course, talk about Jose Ramirez. He was supposed to defend in Fresno, California, Saturday night against uh, Daniel O'Connor. O'Connor was unable to cut two pounds. And evidently, he ended up having to go to the hospital. Get this. According to Star Boxing, Danny O'Connor woke up in the morning two pounds heavy and couldn't trim the two pounds. He collapsed, leaving the sauna, and EMT, EMTs were called. Well, he was rushed to the hospital in Fresno and admitted, suspecting, uh, and, and was admitted suspecting his kidneys may have shut down. Man, that's not a good thing. This is what happens when these guys are cut. Forced to cut weight that's unnatural. I mean, you just can't do it. Everybody wants to get down to their natural weight. I I mean, to get get down to a weight where they have a physical advantage over somebody else, that's what it was all about. Because, you know, when I fought at 139, I was big, strong, knocking people dead. When I fought at 147, not so much, okay? Not so much. So what I'm trying to tell you is those pounds matter. And I was a big 139-pounder, but not a big welterweight by any means. Anyway, um, when you got a guy struggling to make weight, he comes in, he loses two pounds or has to lose two pounds, and he's already, like, you know, sawn it out. And this, the trainer, people, listen, I blame his corner for this, much like I did Max Holloway. Of course, Max Holloway, the so-called defending uh, UFC featherweight champion, was taken to the hospital on Wednesday in Las Vegas for concussion-like symptoms because he was, like, uh, acting all punch-drunky and that kind of good stuff at a, at, a, at a press conference. He couldn't talk right. And, you know, his trainer said that when they woke him up after a nap, they couldn't wake him up. They couldn't get him to wake up, and yet they took him to an open workout afterwards. To shows you, it shows you—it just shows you that you know these trainers. The fight must go on, and whether it's the USC or boxing, the fight must go on. And you know what? You're doing it at the potential risk of somebody's life. This is not a joke. This is just—this is just not a joke. You put dehydrated guys in rings. That's why they should have weigh-ins a couple hours before the fight. But you put dehydrated guys in rings. That's how they get killed. That padding that's around your brain when you get dehydrated and lose all those fluids, okay, that padding is not there. And you're more susceptible to knockouts. And of course, once you get once you get one concussion, there's called repetitive concussion syndrome. Of course, that leads to CTE. CT is the chronic, traumatic encephalitis. I hope I said that right. But the bottom line is CTE is the brain disease, of course, that they found not only in boxers, but Primarily, and get this, man, NFL players. Like I told you, I've said it before. They did a uh, 110 autopsies on former NFL players, and 109 had CTE. But, 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 Dr. Net- Dr. Sati who's our guy with the New York State Athletic Commission, he's a neurologist, uh, a neurosurgeon, all that kind of good stuff. He said that you know that maybe that 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 poll might have been slanted, might have been sl- you know uh, slanted the wrong way because. He didn't. He, those were 100 guys that were sick, 100 guys that they knew had problems like dementia and things like that. Those were 100 guys that they were certain they had come up with some type of CT or some type of permanent ba- brain damage in their autopsy. So those guys were, were certain. That's not taking a, a, uh, a, cro- a cross-range or a cross-section of boxing. Now, the NFL, that 110 players, 109 having CT, I still got to say, what do you think? You want to bet that the one person that didn't have CT was a punter? I mean, that's the only way it's got to go. I mean, think about that. You're taking whoopings helmet against helmet. That causes brain damage, baby. That causes brain damage. And repetitive concussions, go out there and show them you're tough. Go out there and show them you're tough. Yeah, that's why guys are all messed up. Bottom line is, concussions, you got to wake up. It's about the athlete. He's got to realize himself, hey, man, I might be killing myself. Is this really worth it? To some guys, it is. I don't know what I can say other than that. You are tuned to the Sports Byline broadcast network. This is Ring Talk Live worldwide.
0: 855-325-1780. That's
9: 855-325-1780. If you or someone you love suffers from drug addiction, now is the time to utilize your private health insurance PPO plan. If eligible, receive up to $30,000 or more in substance abuse benefits with low or no out-of-pocket cost. We are the National Treatment Network, the premier drug and alcohol treatment referral service operating 24-7. We help connect you with facilities nationwide that accepts PPO private health insurance for substance abuse. If you have PPO substance abuse coverage and you need immediate admittance to a medical detox or residential rehab treatment center, call us now. Call our live referral helpline today. The call is free. This program is not available to Medicare or Medicaid customers.
0: Call 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. That's 800-296-1252. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-754-4531. 800-754-4531. 800-754-4531. That's 800-754-4531.
4: I went to penitentiary. Gene Wilder, I did
11: a movie. I went to, not me personally. I mean, I went to do a film in penitentiary. Uh, <laughs> and it was I was up there six weeks, Arizona State Penitentiary. It was something. Oh, you're applauding for that? Arizona State Penitentiary, real popular? (laughs) Oh, man, it was strange because it's like 80% black people. And what's strange about that is that there are no black people in Arizona.
1: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: Clap your hands, sir. Stop being racist. Clap your hands. Clock says 41 minutes past the hour. Tuned to Rink Talk live on Sports And, of course, W live to live each and every Saturday and Sunday. That's right. Two weekend shows, Saturday, 11 a.m. Pacific. And that's 2 p.m. Eastern time for an hour of boxing and MMA. Of course, the Sunday show, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 8 o'clock. That's right, 8 o'clock in Honolulu, Hawaii. I've got some listeners in Honolulu, so I want to say hello to them each and every show. They just rock and roll and send me some cool texts. Bottom line is the 50th state. Those guys know their box. Don't get a whole lot of it over there. Not, not big fights anyway, but they do get a lot of club shows. And the bottom line is they know they're boxing in the 50th state. And Honolulu, baby. Waikiki Beach. Of course, you are tuning to Ring Talk. You're inside looking to the world of boxing and MMA. Real quick, 1-800-878-PLAY. That's one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five nine. 878 The text line, is how it's how this happening. I'll go to a couple of texts here. 415-275-1613. That's 415-275-1613. I want to mention this. You know, when I was a cop growing up here in San Francisco, growing up here in San, yeah, growing up here in San, you know, it's been a long time ago. But in the eighties, um, I worked as the Mission District Latino community representative for the for the SFPD. So anyway, I got to deal with all these kind of artists and different cultural people and this and that. So this guy Renee Yanez, used to run this museum on um, on Twenty Fourth Street, and then he organized this Day of the Dead, and the Day of the Dead is the the Mexican holiday once a year, they they have this day where they honor dead people. You know the fallen, the people that have left them, and this and that. And I think that's really cool because I think in the American way of life, we don't we don't recognize when somebody's dead. That's it. I mean, you never you don't hear nothing about them. That's it. They're done dead, dead. Okay, but I think Day of the Dead sort of cool because you get to go back and you know sort of reminisce and think about uh the ones that have left here and anyway the bottom line is renee yanez was the guy that had that museum on 24th street he passed away they have a memorial for him today on brandon street and i think i'm going to go but the bottom line is at the end of the day man it's people like renee yanez that that just made this world a special place no doubt about it so renee may you rest in peace you are tuned to ring talk live worldwide you're inside looking the world of combat sports of course. Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. while the rivalry was great, man, maybe the greatest rivalry in all of boxing, no doubt about it. But, you know, in order to have that rivalry, yeah, there had to be a lot of bad blood. I mean, it, there was, and there was a lot of bad blood. Check this out.
10: You see, you try to brush that stuff over on somebody's oh, elbow. You try to put that weight on everybody else inside yourself. Yeah, boy. Yeah, Roy. <laughs> <There you are.
11: laughs> okay. We'll be back with round seven in a moment
10: sharp suits got on them pretty good how old it is about a year <laughs> about a year i heard i was going to be on the tv with this attorney So to dress like a lawyer oh yeah well i thought it was a sports thing i would come relaxing. i think that uh you look good you don't explain why you dress like you are. well I that's good. Really you know i'm i'm a dresser you, you look you good believe. Joe. You i feel good too that's where i feel like i should dress for this kind of show, sportswear, you know.
11: That was the end of round seven, gentlemen, and we'll be back again in just a moment.
10: You can't do that, number no We're going to buy him a ticket out of the country. <laughs> oh, boy. Sit down, man. Joe. Why you think I'm making Sit down, Joe. Sit down, down quick. Why do you think I'm making The are here. this Sit down quick, Joe. Well, we're
11: having a scene, as you can see, and it's hard to tell whether it's clowning or for real between the two fighters. This kind of thing is been going on all along in terms of promotion of the fight and this time it seems to be for real because Joe Frazier is really angry. Muhammad called him ignorant and he's really angry. I don't think this one is clowning at all. It's a bad and an ugly scene and it's unfortunate I think that it's happened in the middle of showing a classic fight between two extraordinary athletes. I think that Ali is probably clowning but there is no question question in my mind that Joe Frazier is not clamped. They threw off their respective earpieces, microphones, Joe Frazier's watch came off, there was a wrestling bout on the floor, and we're really very sorry this happened. And there's no question about it, Joe Frazier is leaving the studio now and he is deeply upset at Ali calling him ignorant. I'm sorry Joe. I'm sorry, but we're going to try and get this back, and we'll be back in just one
10: moment.
11: As you can see, one chair is now empty, Muhammad Ali is sitting next to me where Joe Frazier had been sitting, and Joe has left the studio in what was open anger real anger and there's no sense in disguising the fact.
10: I would say there was anger on his part, Howard. I'm not angry and still not angry. That's why I'm still here. All right. But a man shouldn't be that savage and illiterate to just jump up and stand over me and ball his fists up and as if though he's on a swing at me. I do not know what he was gonna do. I had to jump up to defend myself. But I'm not still angry at him. I don't think two black men should be on the television fussing and fighting and acting like savages this man is uh, he speaks ignorant at times he said I was I went to the hospital I went to the hospital to have my swollen jaw checked to make sure nothing had happened for 10 minutes and I don't I wasn't gonna bring up him going to the hospital because it's true he was so hurt he went to the hospital for one month and I don't think it would be a man for me to bring up you went to the hospital because it's not, right. not my intention to hurt nobody but so this is why I say he's an ignorant man to, to show you how much he thinks if i have if i if I went to the hospital one month and he went for 10 minutes, I wouldn't say he was to the hospital because he might say I went to the hospital.
11: All right, you've had your say now. I want to recapture the situation for you viewers. We were showing round 10 when suddenly this difficult situation arose. Joe is not here. Muhammad, as I have noted, has just had his say. I am going to try and serve as devil's advocate to represent Joe here now because he's not here you have to be a devil and you can joe. You, you have can, to be the devil i never mind the wise cracks, muhammad that's true we're going to show round 10 again you we're going to concentrate devil. You on use this the word fight. devil. So and then you act the devil. let's limit our attention to this fight and let's be absolutely fair in the absence of joe frazier he's entitled to that regardless good luck to you once again we want to express our regret at the fact that joe frazier left the studio he felt he had every right to do so. We're sorry about the difficult situation that occurred, and the slight skirmish that. But
10: occurred. No hard feelings. We'll be buddies after I beat okay. him. Okay, that's our show today. We'll be
11: Thank good brothers. Thank you very much.
3: Good black brothers. Both undefeated, of course, fighting for the world heavyweight championship, March eighth, nineteen seventy-one. That fight was part that uh, fight, <laughs> in studio fight, was part of Wide World of Sports talking about. Howard Cosell, of course, they came on Saturdays and Sundays, the epic show here in the United States as far as sports was concerned, of course, and it was just, you know, the joy of victory, the agony of defeat, it was pretty crazy, every week we'd have, uh, you know, like people like Muhammad Ali and, you know, different individual athletes, sometimes they had swimming, sometimes they had, you know, strongman competitions, but the wide world of sports, be it with Howard Cosell doing basically the boxing, or Keith Jackson doing boxing as well, but Wide World of Sports, they went all over the world. They showed some great fights, really, really great fights, and I miss the old Wide World of Sports days. Of course, ESPN has that catalog, but rarely do you see a lot of the great fights that took place in the Wide World of Sports. I don't know why. Don King's got contracted a lot of them as well. Of course, I was supposed to do Don King's Greatest Hits. I was contracted to do this, contracted to do Don King's Greatest Hits on pay-per-view two and a half years ago. Then his Vice President, Dana Jameson, uh, got sick. She fell ill with cancer. Of course, she says she's coming back. She's Recovery. She's kicked it. She's cancer-free, et cetera. So we'll see if that happens. But Don King's greatest hits, I thought we were going to do that, and that didn't materialize. I hope it that it does before either him or I pass on. The bottom line is Don King's got some fantastic— I mean, think about this. From 1974 until basically— Three or four, maybe five years ago, Don King was a super major player in the world of boxing. Yeah, you still hear his name, and you still see him on occasionally on television. But but at the end of the day, he's not the powerful figure he once was. I mean, he once controlled boxing. He just did. We're talking about a guy that grew up in the streets of Cleveland, not this uh, not the smartest guy in the world as a young man. Got into a a, uh, a shooting, of course, shot somebody in the back. Somebody had robbed his. His uh, numbers racket. He was a bookmaker. In other words, he was taking bets and that kind of good stuff in Cleveland. And somebody robbed his place. So Don shot him going away, and that guy was, you know, dead. Guy robbed him and shot him and got away with it. Was justified. And then of course it was the other killing. I think his man's name was Sam Garrett, and he weighed about 110 pounds. The old Don King a couple hundred bucks, and Don King had him on the ground and as the cops were rolling up on him. You know, Don King gave him that one last hit. Boom to the head. We kicked him in the head, and that killed him. Of course, Don went to jail, and he was eventually pardoned by the Ohio state governor, reportedly after a $250,000 campaign donation. I can't uh, uh, document the the accuracy of that, but something like that went on there in, in, in Ohio. Of course, Don King pardoned. That meant you can go any, anywhere in the world without any travel restrictions. Because you know, a lot of guys can't get outside the country. You get into some felonious stuff here in the United States, and Japan doesn't want you, and other places around the country don't want you. Anyway, Don King, the promoter of promoters, came most from Cleveland, uh, got out of jail. I guess about 1972. I think it was. Got out of jail in '72. Did the fight together with Ali and Foreman in 1974. And basically, he went over to uh, Zaire, Africa, and convinced I think President Mobutu. I think that was his name. Convinced this guy to throw like six million bucks. Put six million bucks down uh, for this fight. To have this fight in the middle of a jungle. He thought it was going to make like make make uh, make the Zaire like you know, Hollywood or or Disneyland or something like that. It was going to open up this beautiful place. Well, nobody really wanted to go into the armpit of Africa. I'm sorry, but nobody really wanted to go into the armpit of Africa for, uh, for vacation. It's not something you really think about, jungles and, you know, I don't know. Anyway, at the end of the day, Don King pulled this off. And George Foreman, of course, was the heavyweight champion of the world then, of course. And he was still, I think he was going to get two and a half million bucks. And Ali was going to get two and a half million bucks. I think that's the way it went down. And it was guaranteed money. And Foreman, of course, got cut about a month and a half before the fight was supposed to take place originally. And uh, they they scrapped the fight. So they they put it on hold. And then George wanted to get out of the country. George was going to leave. George didn't want to stay in Africa anymore. George was not... George was not the favorite son in Africa. He, when he walked down the street, people booed him. They moved away from him. Of course, George Foreman was a guy that had those German shepherd dogs. I told you about that, right? German shepherd dogs and black people. Think about that. Slaves and that kind of good stuff. And the slave masters and the plantation, the masses, you know, all having those German shepherd dogs. So George Foreman comes to Africa with dogs that represent slavery to them. Okay, that's just the way it was. But George had those German Shepherds when he was here in the city by the bay, San Francisco, back in the late 1960s. Of course, George Foreman, infamous for being, you know, the Burger King and all the golly gee whiz, the nice guy, all that kind of good stuff. But I'm going to tell you something he did that was really, really, really incredibly creepy. It was really incredibly creepy, and I'll tell you. He got that German Shepherd of his to jump off the balcony of a hotel. He wanted to see if that dog would do what he wanted him to do. He got the dog up on the table told the dog to jump, and the dog jumped off the uh, balcony to his death like 24 is below. I kid you not, that's George Foreman. Not such a nice guy all the time. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports Byline! Mm.
1: Pop, pop,
2: 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738.
0: Fanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat, the human drama of athletic competition. This is ABC's Wide World of Sport.
3: You're June 2nd, of the Mighty Have Sports Byline Broadcast Network. No this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, the wide world of sports rap there. Sounds good. Brings me back to this 1960s, waiting for Ali to fight. Guys like, you know, Ernie Terrell, and man, just rock and roll, Jerry Quarry. All those big fights would happen on ABC. I remember Leonard Duran, June 20th, 1980. Of course, the fight took place, I believe, on a Friday night in Montreal, Canada. I think the fight was shown Sunday on ABC's Wide World of Sports. It was a great fight. I think that of all the fights that I've ever seen, of all the fights that I've ever seen, I thought that was the most competitive two-way battle I've ever seen. I mean, of two incredibly well-talented pugilists. I mean, Ray Leonard, undefeated, 1976 Olympic gold medals, captured the gold medal in that stadium four years prior. Supposed to come back as a crowd favorite for this brawl in Montreal, is what they were calling of course. Roberto Duran didn't take it that way. I mean, he was possessed. I mean, he was absolutely possessed. This was Duran's, I believe, epic moment. Of course, he had many epic moments, but at this point in time, as a welterweight, he was just incredibly daunt. He, he he was scary. He just was frightening. I, if I was Ray Leonard, I would have been frightened. Frightened as far as Duran's persona before the fight. After the second round, I'd have been a little bit more than frightened. After the third and the fourth and the fifth round, uh, you know, Leonard was losing these early rounds, losing them like decisively. Duran was beating him up with right hand leads. The shorter guy was hooking him and knocking him and hurting him and wobbling him and things like that. So. You know, Leonard became a man in that fight. And Sugar Ray Leonard will go down as maybe one of the greatest fighters of all time. But prime against prime, Roberto Duran beat him. Of course, they had the second No moss fight in November of 1980. They conned Ray into that fight. Mike Trainer, who was uh, Sugar Ray Leonard's uh, manager at that point in time, told me that he sent a spy down to Panama and saw that Duran was sporting around 205, 210 pounds. And, of course, Duran being the welterweight champion at 147. So he told Duran like this. He signed to fight us in six weeks, or we're gonna go fight somebody else and uh, we'll give you eight million bucks. Durant had never made that kind of money before in his life. The most he'd ever made was a million bucks for the first Leonard fight. So eight times what he ever made, Duran would have cut off both arms and a leg to make the weight. But he made the weight, wasn't strong, just wasn't strong, and then of course, you know, Leonard went into that that dancing mode and went and ran around the ring. The ring was twenty four by twenty four. That's equivalent to a backyard. The average ring, the standard ring by the Association of Boxing Commissions, is 20 by 20. Get this. This was 24 by 24. Leonard had a backyard to run in, run around in. He tried to uh, embarrass Roberto Duran, and Duran just wouldn't have no part of it. it. was prime against prime, and then he waited 10 years to give him the third fight. He waited 10 years at Ray Leonard. So, you know, knock on Ray. Duran was a greater fighter. Just like, hey, just like the great Sugar Ray Robinson told me, Duran was the best of the bunch. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Hour number two still to come. We're talking mixed martial arts. We have the new heavyweight champion of the world. That's right. Danny Corman, the ex-champion, the Miocic as well. Ring Talk Live Worldwide coming up, hour number two. Stay tuned on Sports My